0: Welcome! Welcome, lovely listeners, to another episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. Me? Well, I'm your host, Mike Turner, and joining me in our studios in southern Illinois is a man who didn't believe that St. Louis's own Josh Sargent scored a goal today for Norwich in the British Championship until he saw the video. It's producer Mason. Well, this is simply isn't
1: true. I believed it, but it was a very pretty goal when I did see the video. <laughs>
0: It was tasty like gooey butter cake, I tell you. And also joining us from somewhere in his studio cave in uh, West St. Louis County is a man who will fight you if you don't look him in the eye when you shake his hand. It's Sean Campbell. <laughs> I okay, think you got so, me hey, on the wrong is... side of that one, buddy. I'm the guy walking <laughs> by and
2: quickly shaking your hand because, you know... You handshake at the end of the game, that's it. I don't care if you look me in the eye or not. Just don't, you know, try to pull my arm off, all
1: right? What is this a reference to? I miss this. <laughs> oh,
2: oh, you didn't see? For those for those just tuning in, um, we had a London derby over the weekend between Tottenham and Chelsea, and that's been getting heated lately, Um, especially considering the fact that Tottenham has not scored against Chelsea in three years. Uh, they end up drawing two-two, and at the end of the match, uh, Conte goes goes you know over to the other tactical area to give Tuchel a nice handshake as he walks by to go congratulate his players in a great game. They've been going at it back and forth all game, and they even got in each other's faces, had to be separated by the referees at one point. And then Tuchel just will not let go of his hand and pulls him in and almost yanks his arm off and like points in his eyes and says, you look at me when you shake my hand, man. And they get all up in each other's faces. They both get red cards for it. The players all come in and it spills over. And it's a beautifully heated moment that I have not seen in a London derby in a long time. Very much enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> the beautiful but then game. After the game, after the game, <laughs> they, they're both just like. Oh yeah, no, that was just a thing. It's whatever. We're moving on. Tuchel was like, "Yeah, no, I mean, you just, just you just look in my eye. I don't think I did anything wrong. I think I I think we just should have won the game. That's all. Sorry, Tuchel. Maybe you should have scored more goals.
0: At least he didn't flip his tie up like Mourinho did with Arsene Wenger.
2: Oh oh, <laughs> any anything to I, I mean, I love I love Wenger. I hate Arsenal, but. Anything to piss off Arsenal, man. I love it. Uh,
0: If I speak, Twitter will suspend me. (laughs) (laughs) Producer Mason, the chosen one. But enough of this silliness. Uh, We do encourage you to go ahead and uh, contact us. You can uh, reach us with any questions or comments. Uh, Keep it clean because the children might be watching. Right, Mason? we could be reached at soccer capital at gmail.com better yet dms at uh soccer capital on twitter or you know you can follow us on those places as well as soccer capital podcast on instagram but ostensibly we're here to talk about st louis city sc and we had a little a uh, little bit of news about the big club on the uh mobile app uh they and across uh, social media, they posted a little short video of Centene Stadium, where it certainly appears that all of the seats are in place, all the rails are in place, and it looks like it's good to go. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> venue for the last game on MLS Next Pro is still listed as TBC, so who or knows? TBD. You mean TBD? You know, yeah. No, I just checked it last night. It's TBC to be confirmed. Oh,
0: oh, that's changed. Mm-hmm. I have never, I've never seen the term TBC before in my whole life.
2: <laughs> I've I've seen TBD and TBA, but never never TBC. I guess if you take TBA from TBD, you get TBC because that's four minus one equals three. But you know. <laughs> That's some gematria we <laughs> don't want to get hurts. into. <laughs>
1: are, we, are we trying to do transitive property to, to acronyms?
2: <laughs> it's called gematria.
0: Look it up. Actually, don't. I don't
1: know math.
0: I don't know how to spell
1: it. How can I look it up? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think I do a soccer podcast? It's not because I know how to do
0: math. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, the scoring the scoreboard does it for you. <laughs> pencil necks in action the new podcast on oh my the soccer capital network uh, uh moving on and that's really what we got it does appear as if they've done their work and got the uh, fit and finish right for centine stadium and it's going to be a nice pristine jewel in the crown for mls upcoming next season and while you're on the app uh, checking out the videos of the stadium, uh, check out some photos. Uh, the team had had a watch party, official watch party, uh, in coordination with uh, uh, Purina uh, at Barquet Uh for all interested, because you know the dogs want to watch the MLS All-Star Game. <laughs> uh, so they had the opportunity. Yeah, see- secretly a dog's favorite pastime. <laughs> uh, on the app, you can also meet Juno. The best friend of City 2's Max Schneider. And Juno, the dog is from West Virginia. Uh, Crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, Yeah, man, you got it. All right. (laughs) Speaking of Juno, speaking of City (laughs) 2. Tuno? Are we, are we, are we naming the dog Tuno now? Is that it? Uh, I'm giving uh, Mason an aneurysm uh, and I'm about it. uh, (laughs) The two names continue. Uh, Concierge, we need a defibrillator over here. (laughs) All right. Speaking of Max Schneider, his City 2 team went on the road as they will be doing uh, frequently here in the near future. Uh, They went to Vancouver. To play the Whitecaps too, and as they've been doing a lot on the road, walked away with a 4 1 victory. They went down pretty early in this one. Uh, Roman Berkey had a little walk about and uh, didn't grab the ball and uh, got circled around, and the uh, Vancouver scored early. And that was pretty much all the highlights for Vancouver in the whole game. Yeah, yeah, Berkey really beefed this one. There's really no other way to put it. <laughs> Fans of Dortmund have seen him do such things in the past. It's 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 in him, but he's pretty quality. Uh, big players here, especially in the first half, was uh, Juan Cousin and Cecilio Pompeo, who had a goal each. Pompeo also forced an own goal as it was later scored. We thought he got, uh, scored a brace in that one Mm -hmm. yeah i had
1: missed this when i was watching the game live but uh yeah it he had a really nice shot in from a a tough angle he was at the near post um and then sliding effort from a vancouver player but it comes off his spikes and in so that's that's an own goal sure uh does take pompey's brace away uh juan Cazane scored a normal goal instead of an
0: absolute <laughs> bazo. Absolute <Banger>? yeah, <laughs> but he's now tied for second on the team with uh was it vitor Diaz uh with five goals apiece on that one i think didn't vitor Diaz also assist on that goal i can neither confirm nor deny that yeah it was it was vitor Diaz
2: look at well while you were looking that up i wanted to say um i think it goes i think i think it stands to mention the fact that we've had a very balanced um, goal scoring effort from across the front line and attacking players. We haven't had that one guy. That's like, if he doesn't score, we're not scoring. Everyone's getting in it's goals by committee. And while, yeah, that could be a bit dangerous, you know, to hope and pray that happens every year. uh, It is good to see that you, you can get significant amounts of goals from a significant number of guys, more than just one. Um, It makes you look dangerous from all points of the pitch. Uh, I do like seeing that, and I hope that does continue.
0: And that's uh, kind of the whole point of the uh, high press as well uh, with Lutz's system is that you just steal the ball from them, Somebody makes a run, and uh, you score real quick and hope that you can snatch two or three of such goals and uh, just shut down the other squad.
1: Yeah, and especially uh, since—because Josh Doling was on such a tear for a while— and now he's had a bit of a drought. Um, other players are stepping up. It kind of reminds me of the Blues offense from the last couple of seasons where everyone was chipping in goals. We didn't have a ton of like league leader scoring, but everyone was scoring.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was it was good. To, it's good to see that kind of a thing where you you have a guy who can clearly come in and get that clutch goal when you need it. Um, and you can kind of rely on him, but also seeing the rest of the team pick up the pick up the slack when he's having an off off stretch is definitely good to see. Um, but, yeah, a lot of that's due to that high press stopping guys on the on the half turn, not letting them turn up field, cutting out passes, getting in lanes and just causing them fits. And the announcers during that stream actually even commented on that several times about how City was doing a great job of not letting them get a- Vancouver, get anywhere with the ball. Any position, like their possession, got to about midfield. Ball turned over, and it's immediately going right back at their net.
0: So that was in the first half, as the regular city two players really put put the game in a good stead. And put then the, the baby, s- put the baby to bed. Yeah. Then in the second half, a couple of the uh, new international signings came in, Jao Klaus and Thomas Ostrak, and uh, they kind of combined here with a beautiful, actually. Quite beautiful goal in the second half, ostrak gets the goal uh well worked I expect to see more of such plays in the future going forward from him and uh that made it four one, and that pretty much was ball game, yeah, I kind of got bored and didn't pay much attention after that to be honest well, that was pretty much the end of uh yeah that was the
1: that was the end of it. The rest of it was kind of standing on ceremony um Klaus came in at the half. Uh, Oostrak came in at the 62nd minute, I think. And then right after he comes in, the two of them combined for a really nice give and go play. Uh, Oostrak to Klaus. Klaus really eviscerates the Vancouver defense, lays it on to Oostrak, who puts in a bullet.
0: And the play started when, uh, Vancouver tried to play it out of the back and they just got ate alive by the, uh, City 2 press. Uh, turned the ball over and that was it.
1: Does this sound familiar
0: uh, that one? And that pretty much put it down. And it was great to see such a dominant performance from the team after the uh, after what happened in Tacoma the week before. Uh, Great bounce back and really played so much better.
1: Yeah. Okay, I got to talk about this because after this game, you all were talking about like talking like that game against Chicago didn't happen. Oh, no, (laughs) it didn't
0: really happen. (laughs) It was a walkover. (laughs) but it wasn't this was back to back come from behind victories that is true that is true this that Tacoma loss just sticks in the brain just like the Minnesota loss was about four weeks ago when in reality is like four or five months ago (laughs) yeah because this was this wasn't the bounce
1: back game from that Tacoma game that was two weeks ago we had that game against the fire in between Okay.
0: Yeah, it's a yeah, back but from a disappointing we performance against the fire. <laughs> anytime that St. Louis
2: can put the beat down on Chicago, that's just a given. Like that doesn't count as a bounce back game because that's expected of us. The true bounce back game is going over against a team that is very much a good team in Vancouver. So this truly was the bounce back game because the the flattening of Chicago was dousing the fire was a gimme, and we needed to take that win at face
0: value and it's a rivalry of the cities and and also unfortunately the fire game was at home this one was on the road and that's been sort of the thing for this team is they just seem to be more dominant on the road in most matches than they tend to be at home upcoming sunday night 9 p.m central time you know prime time for all of you viewers out there Uh, The road trip continues on the West Coast as they go down uh, to San Jose, play the Earthquakes 2, in another team that's pretty far up in the Western Conference standings, I believe. Mm -hmm. Is that correct, Mason? Yeah, so San
1: Jose Earthquakes 2 are right in the mix of it in the West. They are tied on points for 5th, with minnesota united and vancouver um san jose is leading that charge with more regulation wins now all three of these teams are seven points behind north texas for fourth but with some change of fortune they're in the running
0: here yeah but uh, it, seemed, it, it has clearly separated into the best four teams in the Western Conference. In the Eastern Conference, it's separated into one clearly better team, which yes. is uh, Columbus Crew 2.
1: Yeah, uh, Columbus Crew 2 have 42 points, the same amount of points that we have. Second place in the East is Toronto 2. They have 32.
0: So a lot to look forward to. A uh, little distance is always great, especially as City 2 really finishes out on the road, aside from that uh, home match against uh, Sporting uh, KC 2. Uh, but being a good a- a- away team, road team, uh, they are uh, still performing well and hope it holds up this Sunday night as, as they continue on their... Their adventure across the North American continent. Yes, <laughs> adventures in the uh, in the Mountain West does make me wonder how the international players are actually enjoying. Uh, they've probably all been to the to L.A. more yeah. than likely, but uh, you know, they're enjoying seeing the sights along the West Coast of North America. It's a long well, long way from uh, Europe. Yeah. No, it's, and a, I mean, long it's a long from way from St. Louis. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, but they're also they're out there on the West Coast, which is absolutely some of the prettiest parts
0: of this country. So, yeah, a lot of people don't realize I lived in Tucson for so long, and uh, Vancouver and San Jose is a long, long way away from Tucson. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's about all we've got to wrap up for the team this week, both City Two and the big club. Yeah. One
1: last thing is talking about standings. Um, Tacoma took it on the chin from Minnesota, and they lost. So St. Louis is within one point of first place.
2: I believe there's a meme that went around a few years back when the Cardinals were catching the cubs in the in the in in the standings of a guy sitting on the bench very, very calm. And then each picture we, we gain us a, a place in the standings and there's a monster that gets bigger and closer. And next thing you know, we're breathing down their necks. We're only one point away. <laughs> and he's visibly Saint- getting more and more sweaty.
0: St. Louis Devil Magic. Yeah, it's like the uh, the manager in a Major League who, every time they climbed in the standings, removed a piece of apparel from the uh, owner who wanted to move the team. Uh, but uh, just enough of that a bit outside. <laughs> <laughs> Wild thing. You make my heart sing. But enough of that silliness, because... It's time to move on to what happened in MLS, and there was some adventures in crazy soccer uh, this week, as usual, in our domestic league, and uh, give us a rundown on that is Sean Campbell. All right, well, diving on into the exciting week that was MLS, let's get
2: started with the first thing that happened after the podcast. We've got the MLS All-Star Game. Um, Just a quick note, the MLS All-Stars came out and won the Skills Challenge on the back of some pretty decent performances and a very exciting crossbar challenge. Uh, I I definitely was on the edge of my seat for that one. Um, But more importantly, they came out and won the actual All-Star game. Uh, A few quick notes on that. It was a very enjoyable game to watch back and forth. Love to see all these players getting out there and actively trying to win the game because it's more than just, hey, I get to play soccer with with the other famous people. They actually wanted to win. Um, And you can see that competitiveness coming out on the field. It got chippy. There was back and forth. Um, It was very interestingly reffed, to say the least. And uh, it looks like the Liga Mechie stars were not very happy about that one. Uh, when it came down to it, the decider in this one was a very, very well-taken PK by Raul Ruidias. Sorry, I had to do my best mic impression there. Um, after the game, they announced the MLB- M- MLS MVP, All-Star MVP, and that was Dane Sinclair. Of course, they picked the hometown boy because he's had a great year outside of one or two games here or there, but put together a pretty, altogether a pretty decent performance in goal there. Would Wouldn't you guys say so?
0: He's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> with as many subs as little time. Sure. Why not? Yeah.
2: I would I would say with the saves he made, he probably was the standout outside of, you know, the PK from
0: Rui Diaz. Yeah, and being the hometown boy, sure. I've got no problems with it
1: yeah I mean, i don't I don't fully necessarily think that he was like the obvious pick, but man, who cares? it's the all star game. It's yeah the I'm the not losing any yeah. sleep over who got the all yeah game i'm not gonna I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get in like a knockdown <laughs> drag out fight over this. I don't care that much.
2: <laughs> I also don't think i I also don't think there really was a standout option period obviously. no it's a fun game. It was fun to watch. We all enjoyed it. Now we move on back to. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. That is the MLS regular season. But before we jump into the games this weekend, we've got a couple. We've got one, one or two things left to talk about with this game. Um, and most importantly, it's Don Garber getting his yearly chat with Taylor Twelman.
1: Donnie. And, uh, one thing I
2: noticed. One thing I noticed was uh, Donnie refused. outright refused to actively say what was going to happen with next year's All Star Game. Um, when asked if League Emekis was going to be involved, he dodged the question um and it looks like I think i don 't think emec is going to be involved, and I think it 's because they 're kind of fed up with losing the game, losing the challenge, and having to deal with all the pushback from the fans and the media and they' they really seem to be asking, what are we even getting out of playing in this game anyway
0: plus with the expanded uh lease cup he also addressed it that uh is there really any need? for EMLS All-Stars to play uh, the Liga MX East All-Stars, even though it's a lot of fun. We'll be getting that on for a full month next year. And I say it, that what they should do in MLS with the All-Star game is go back to the old format and put the All-Stars from the Western Conference against the Eastern Conference. MLS is good enough, full of stars, uh, enough teams certainly to fill out rosters. Why not? even though they get to play against each other it still would be fun to see them battle it out like like a more traditional all-star
1: format sure um i'm i'm not opposed to that it's all-star games are all-star games i will the good old say east versus west bowl yeah i will say though like even though i kind of agree that like well what really is the point of an mls versus liga meki's all-star game if we have the league's cup which is much more both competitive and important um It'll it'd still be kind of a bummer because I I like that the MLS All Star Game has this edge of competition to it between the two leagues rather than just a straight up two like conference versus conference exhibition game.
0: Yeah, I'm really tired and fed up with uh, playing against uh, top five league teams in an exhibition. MLS is above that now; they're actually on the stage. And that's borne out by the fact that it was brought up in this conversation that MLS in their secondary window, which is, of course, a primary window in Europe, was able to rake in $150 million in players leaving MLS to go internationally. And uh, I got a feeling Carolyn, Kendall Betts, uh, and the rest of the ownership group were sitting there watching that it all take place and going, man rake me off a little something something on that one and st louis city is set themselves up to be a part of that growing idea of raking and transfer money uh with uh some of the uh, the academy doing so well in their first year that's going to attract more talent uh next pro being so that's probably going to be on the radar and some of the signings that they have internationally, I'm thinking especially of the young ones like Thomas Ustaj and Zemel uh, Pedro, and especially the very young uh, Is- Isaac Jansen, if yep. he can develop.
1: Yeah, and then we've also we've got kids like Aaron Hurd,
0: um, yeah. Volmer, Franz Volmer, and uh, and they're the young young ones. Much less some of the ones in MLS Next Pro. Yeah, like if they doling, don't get the St. Louis City SC, maybe other MLS teams have seen how they play, uh, and uh, bring them into the fold, yeah, uh, wow. to fill up slots. I'm,
1: I'm thinking they're Doling, Vitor Diaz, Celio Mappeu,
0: Max Schneider, mm hmm,
1: yeah, uh, leaving Juan Cusain out of that conversation because he's kind of up in the air right now, <laughs>
0: yeah, he's he's with City. I think, but, we, but we still sh- don't know. <laughs> I think he and Victor Diaz.
2: I I think it's pretty clear that that he's going to make the the first team roster. He's put in an absolute glorious campaign this year. He's looked dangerous at all moments.
1: Yeah, he has. I absolutely think that he should be there, but we don't have confirmation and we keep talking about it like like we do. We don't.
2: Eh, they could just be hammering out final details of the contract that it might it might just be a difference of well, how many years we want to give him versus how much, you know, it, it, they may just be trying to meet that middle ground at this point.
1: Yeah, sh- uh, yeah. I mean, like, that's all fine. I just, uh, eventually, we have to stop talking about this speculation like it's confirmed. Eventually, we got to put right. pump the brakes and be like, okay, listen, we are all talking about Juan Kazan like he's gonna be there. We don't know that yet.
2: <laughs> well, we're still far enough out; we can still speculate all we want. <laughs> we don't, you know, we're still building the roster. Once we get closer into like the expansion draft and such, we can start talking in you know, affirmities instead of speculations and rumor mill.
1: When have facts ever stopped us from
0: running our mouths? <laughs> and if, uh, it's a, oh yeah, a Josh... we, we,
2: we stir the rumor pot. <laughs> it,
0: we've been known to do that. If it's like the Josh Yarrow one where it was mentioned once and then dropped once MLS Next Pro uh, season started, it's hard to confirm these things. And of course, then being a corporate entity, they're not really parsing out information willy-nilly they were holding on to it extremely tightly, to be quite honest.
2: Before we beat this horse any debtor that it's already been beaten, let's get into some games that actually matter in the grand scheme of the MLS year. Uh, let's start over in Philly, showing that last week was an absolute fluke by whipping out a 4-1 stomping of the fire. Julian Carranza doing his absolute best to get a soccer Gordy Howe hat trick with a goal, an assist, and a yellow card. And there was a bit of a missed card on uh, Jimenez as he stomps on Alejandro Bedoya's foot. And for those of you that saw it, if you disagree with me, you're wrong. There was intent to injure. He went out of his way to stomp on his foot. And I don't know if you've ever been stepped on in cleats. It does not feel good. That's a missed card. But anyway, Philly comes out with the win anyway. They got what they deserved. And I I just think it's, it's... great to see philly return to form
0: go birds and the the fire's momentum has been stalled and gaga Salina had perhaps his worst match as a pro in this one you know things happen like that with young players as part of their development but it also happens at a bad time for the fire as the team's going to need him to bounce back as they run into a Very tough stretch in their schedule as they try to somehow uh, eke out a playoff spot this season. Yeah, and
1: also right in the heart of their upswing really kind of takes the the wind out of their sails.
0: It wasn't losing to the union that's the problem, it's the manner of what happened during the match. Mm -hmm.
2: Absolutely. One team that's not having to worry about, you know, a, a dip in form, it's Toronto FC, They roll out a 3-1 win over the Timbers on the backs of Insigne, Bernadeschi, and Richie Larea. Big transfers in the market, making a big impact on the pitch. Love to see it, and it's exactly what we, we now expect from this team going into the end of the year.
0: You want proof of the impact? Toronto now has gained 10 points out of the last possible 12 since Bernadeschi, Insigne, and even Richie Larea have joined the squad uh them coming in has free bob bradley to go ahead and implement his full system instead of having mismatched players that he was trying to fill in because his squad just wasn't that good to be quite honest they went through the growing pains they now have to work very hard to get in the playoffs but in the meantime they found a couple of very exciting young prospects especially like Jaden taylor on that team things look very good for toronto and if they do make the playoffs no one no one's going to want to face them bernadeschi especially has looked uh dp mvp type level in just four matches
2: speaking of teams that people probably don't want to be facing anytime soon inter miami's been on a bit of an upswing in form getting two wins out of the last five getting points in four of their last five. They get points here in a 3-2 win over over the Pigeons at home. Uh, NYCFC seemed to kind of own this game a little early, but Miami scored a goal, and they just kind of took control of the game and held on to momentum. Uh, this is on the back of a Pasuelo brace, and Higuain looking to be dangerous again, once again in his career.
1: Yeah, this game was really exciting. I watched pretty much all of this. Me and Mike did. Um, I also, I shed my curse. I finally picked an exciting game to watch uh, from the MLS weekend. It's because uh, Mike it watched it all, with <laughs> No, Well, it, yeah, but it's also because I picked this game on a whim because it was a home broadcast for Inner Miami, and I wanted to
0: listen to Ray Hudson. <laughs> He's magisterial. Oh, he was in fine form in this one. And it was a good so game. is Puzvelo. <laughs> yeah, and so is Higuain having somebody to dish him up some tasty, tasty side dishes he can uh, knock home. Suddenly, the uh Herons are playing with infinitely uh, more grit and intensity than in previous seasons, especially from their best players. And I say infinitely better because <laughs> how do you mathematically? Uh, Calculate a percentage increase above zero. <laughs> <laughs> the limit does not exist. Yeah, that's right.
2: I, I think it's safe to say we've discussed enough math on this podcast. But I think speaking I'm done. of math. But speaking
1: of Don't math, hold me to that. <laughs> no, anti-math podcast. <laughs>
2: speaking of math, what happens when you add three to one? you get 4 and that's what austin scored to win in sk in kansas city in a 4-3 win and they get this this fourth one at the death it looked like sporting had the game in hand at 3-1 at halftime and in typical fashion this year just, just the wheels fell off and that that's uh, what i expected honestly i was like how are they going to screw this up and they screwed it up
0: yeah you can look up uh Austin head coach is uh, Josh Wolf's post-game presser. He goes off on reporter Chris Bills for questioning them throwing out the game plan when they fell behind. And Wolf just kind of lit him up a little bit, uh explaining that Austin has a set system, they never stray from that system and they stick to it and that's something to note for St. Louis City SC. Bradley Carnell's going to have his system, and they're going to live and die from it. Because especially his boss, Luke Feinstein is adamant that uh, they've got a system and they're going to play that way. And you can see it with City, too. You can see it with the Academy. John Hackworth and all the other coaches have really done the same thing. We know what's going to happen with City. We know it's going to happen going forward. It's a matter of the players executing that system the best way they can. And it could be like Austin was their first year where sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes the pieces on the field don't fit or a a minor change is. But when he makes substitutions, he doesn't change the formation. He makes like-for-like situations with fresh legs and just adds a little more oomph and refreshes everything. And it's been showing they score. They just dominate teams late in the game more often than not.
2: I think I think on that we're going to have a bit of a shorter learning curve, so to speak, when it comes to City's first season, because we do have the extra year of next pro to get that kind of system identity down and really be able to implement that even when we're behind and get the right subs in. I am I, I, not saying we're going to be perfect and have an Austin level season first time out. But I don't think it's going to be as problematic at the you know, it's not going to be as problematic for as long as they did. They were.
0: Yeah, the it's a big advantage to have the COVID delay to starting up the uh, first division club. Uh, but the high pressing system's a hard one to get down. It requires a lot of work, a lot of timing, a lot of automations in the way that the players perform. So things could be sketchy in the first season. But you start to find out what's working, what isn't, then in the second season, I would really, if it doesn't take off the first one, the second year to actually improve quite a bit,
1: yeah, um, that's what I was kinda of worried about is what if they panic and they decide to change up the system rather than just kind of stick to their guns um especially because like we've got a lot of our like quote unquote, key pieces right now, playing in City 2, playing in that system, getting acclimated to it, learning it, if they come out the first year and it doesn't quite click for them, are are they going to say, sure, that's kind of what we expected, first year, expansion team, it happens, or are they going to panic and are they going to blow it up? Are they
0: going to change it? I don't know. My feeling is that Bradley Carnell starts panicking and changing it. Lutz is going to let him go. I think Lutz is very firm on this system. Uh, For right or wrong, we live and die on Lutz. There's a thought. Um, Yeah. But uh, if you do go through your first system with this, your first season with this system, uh, if you do take a whooping, what do you do? You break it down, you find the failures, you teach, you highlight it, you train, and you correct it. You tighten everything down. That's the glories of having a style and a system to work within.
1: Yeah, I also had that that hell or high water feeling as well. Um, but we've also seen that with City 2. Um, we've taken some pretty stiff beatings and then
0: come back and, and won, so... Yeah, that's the risk-reward of the high-press system. You live by the press and you die by the press. And we're going to experience that with the first team on the big stage in MLS next season. Moving on to the next
2: game, though, uh, from one four-goal team to another four-goal team, FC Dallas back on track with a 4-1 win over Team Chaos. And that's on the back of a glorious performance from Jesus Ferreira with a brace Sebastian Legette finally gets on the pitch and performs by getting his first two-assist game of his career. Velasco gets a goal and an assist. Pomacall comes on and immediately gets a yellow card. It's absolutely wonderful soccer to be watching out of Dallas right now. And Team Chaos, I'm sorry, but you're sitting closer to the bottom, right where you probably should have been and where we all thought you were going to be all year long. They are who we thought they were.
0: One thing about FC Dallas is in this one. They jumped on the Quakes. Then the Quakes went all for the goal. FC Dallas then became more aggressive with the ball instead of trying to pay, play possession. And their coach afterwards is like, that's the way we want to play. Uh, they've been a little stale. They get a first goal. They beautifully played, and then they don't get the second. This one... They were more ruthless and played more on the front foot. The comments from the coach, Dallas is doing okay. Let's see what they do in the last few games of the season as MLS winds down.
2: And we'll definitely be keeping a close eye on them. But moving from one three-goal difference to another three-goal difference, LA Galaxy push hard to try to get into a playoff spot and get a 5-2 win over the over Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, and this is after Chicharito finally gets back on the score sheet. Um, and I have to think maybe part of that's because he just needed a little break to playing a game for funsies in the All-Star game. Um, but this game was all galaxy. And I mean, you really couldn't even blame the fact that Vancouver lost by three on the fact that the home, they got sent off because they were already down four two at that point. So you can't even blame you playing down a man on, uh, you know, for you being down, losing by three goals. Keeping it in LA, we've got another game over there, and this one um, I-, I can only describe it as an absolute thwomping of a game. It is five nothing LAFC over Charlotte FC, and this game has me asking Bale who, Chiellini who, because they didn't play. That's right, the two big off the big two big midseason signings didn't even see the pitch, weren't even on the bench, and LAFC looks set to be setting another uh, record for high highest points, and they don't seem to mind at all that they have a giant target painted on their backs.
1: Uh, I mean, I got to say, even before they brought in Bale and Giannullini, LAFC was running away with this, but...
0: Yeah, Austin they, was giving them a run they for held them, money. They held back Bale and Giannullini for load management purposes and still put a thumping on Charlotte like this. this and Charlotte's down to 11th place in the east their bright and brilliant start's been found out and it's what happens to expansion teams it happens to Austin and be prepared in case it happens to city next year
2: yeah
1: but yeah this was a curb stomping. this was brutal
2: <laughs> knockout drag out i believe is the term we're looking for mm.
1: bare knuckle
2: <laughs> oh yeah absolutely uh moving along to a little bit more of a uh, back and forth game we're headed over back back east to go to Nashville who lose at home yet again to the loons in a two one two one loss um
1: back back east in the west
2: <laughs> yes back east in the west it's we're still Only in same direction but either way Nashville drops a game two one to the loons at home at Yodas Park and this is on the back of a an amazing bounce back performance for Dane Sinclair, who, as stated previously, had a pretty good game at the all star game um showed this game why he absolutely deserved to be on that roster one hundred percent
0: yeah, the loons are on fire, uh maybe even matching. no that's Chicago Coming... <laughs> well, they'd stomp Chicago right now in the form they have. they're rivaling l a f c for the best team on current form at this moment in MLS. And it's time to give a shout out to Robert Lud for what he has done with that team. They pushed him forward. Normally, he's more of a, a midfielder. And what he's doing exceptionally well is not only providing offense, but he's able to get the ball onto the feet of one of the best players in MLS, Bebe Re- Reynoso. And that has meant so much. That allows them to get out on the run, and right now, unlike earlier in the season, those wingers are running, running, and running rapid, playing so much better. The Loons, again, like last year after a slow start, are picking up their game, but they seem to be much better than they were last year. Uh, yeah, the, the Loons took took four, or well, I mean,
1: they took three league losses in a row. They also lost in the Open Cup. But they took three to the chin, and then they went on to go like seven, two, and one. So yeah, they uh, they took that personally, and they are really charging forward. Smoking, yeah, smoking. Out of the time
2: of year, <laughs> that's what it's all about, baby.
1: I think they're fourth. Yeah, fourth in the yep. West.
2: Absolutely surging up the table. Moving along, we've got one last game to actually talk about, and we're not going to spend too much time on the actual game. It was a bit, a bit of a pedestrian 1-1 draw between the Rapids and the crew, but ultimately, um, I believe it's the Rapids are, are now the losers of that game because they end up losing three guys to suspension for the next match, two to accumulation, and one for, I believe, You know, extenuating circumstances and comments and gestures afterwards that led to a suspension. Um, But just mentioning that, I'd like to lead that into we've got a fairly long list of players of note and big names that are one yellow card away from missing their next match. And I'm just going to run through the list real quick because there are quite a few of them and it's some of them are quite surprising. First off for Atlanta, Dom Dwyer is one card away. In in Austin, Sebastian Driussi. If he gets one more, he's out for a game. Lalas Abubakar in Colorado. Cincinnati's got four players, and all of these are very important to their starting lineup. In Lucho Acosta, Blackett, Jeff Cameron, Nuobado. And in Dallas, you also have four players, one away with Cerio, Cervainia, Jesus Ferreira, Velasco. The Red Bulls also have four with Caceres Jr., Harper, Neilis, Tolkien, Sega Kulabali Coul- in in the Galaxy, Miami's got two with Mota and Yedlin. Frogapane up in Minnesota's one away. Cesar Ara- Araujo in Orlando. His buddy Perea. He's also one away. And then Van Rankin in Portland. Justin Glad in RSL. Jackson Ewell for Team Chaos. Jonathan Osorio in Toronto and Ryan Gold, of all people, up in Vancouver is one away as well.
0: Nice guy, Ryan Gold. <laughs> yeah, Gold just, he he was late getting started this year. Them Notice who's scouts. not on this list, and we'll give you a moment in case you were wanting to write those down. Uh, oh, LEFC um, th- is <laughs> not on that list. Yeah. No, but also
1: notably, uh, Dreesy is. And, if he misses a game, that could be a pretty big hit for Austin. I don't think they're in too much danger of slipping out of a playoff spot, but that could, like, Driesey is really the guy kind of carrying Austin.
0: I would say he's the leader for the MVP.
2: It's yeah. potential for them to, uh, they're they're 10 points ahead of Dallas, so I don't think they're dropping even out of a home playoff spot. But if he misses no. more than a game, it, it, there's potential for them to miss out on on the on on that home playoff spot.
1: If we want to talk about impact on the team of missing a game, I would say it's Luca Acosta for Cincy. Oh, absolutely! But no,
0: they already lost him for three. Yeah. After he decided to headbutt uh, the much taller Aaron Long in that one contest, and it <laughs> didn't go well for him. Yeah, a little, a little little piss pot he is. <laughs> but well, yeah,
1: because yeah, since he's fighting for their lives, trying to claw their way up into the playoff spot, they lose Luca Acosta for, for a game. That could easily turn that game into a loss. And maybe <laughs> you end up, they don't make it by one game.
2: <laughs> I, I think another big a big loss that could be felt very heavily is if Minnesota's missing Frogapone for even a game. That could be big, big-time bad news bears for them.
0: Also, with Atlanta United, even though he's a late-game sub, losing Dom Dwyer, because uh, he's been very productive in limited time, extremely productive since Atlanta always waits until the 85th minute to start scoring. Uh, just one loss with him not there to pull out a a draw in their season is officially written off, I believe.
2: Oh, absolutely. You cannot, you cannot discount the importance of having a super sub, especially one that has the, the engine of Dom Dwyer. But uh, yeah, no, you you, honestly, if any of these guys goes out, I could see a lot that that team just feeling hurt for, for a game. And it might take some time to actually rebound, but yeah, Uh, If if any one of those guys goes out, I could see it being very harmful for the team that they play for. Um, But I think that's a bit bit of enough about yellow card talk. Um, Let's get to the off pitch news. We don't have too much this week as the transfer window into MLS has closed. But with the windows being open abroad, there's still some rumors of players being linked to moves out of MLS. And the biggest one at the moment is Kai Wagner being linked to Leeds United. And Jim Curtin has is gone on and said, "Yeah, I've been in talks with Jesse Marsh. We'll we'll see where things go. There's there's some there's some offers being whipped around, and I think it's great that we might see yet another MLS product go out overseas, and this time potentially play a huge role in a Premier League level squad. Um, And that leads to another discussion about what does this mean for the league. Um, I, for one, am probably going to keep a bit of a closer eye on Leeds this year because." The fans over there are very excited about what's going on. They're very happy with Jesse Marsh's um, time at the helm, even though he hasn't had a full season yet. They've very much enjoyed seeing the Americans that are there. Uh, I can't wait to see how they feel about any other MLS products that come over. Um, but they're, they're very positive, at least from what I've seen in their reactions to that. And I, I think another MLS product could just help them You know, have even more to be excited about. But important here is another name. That's very big being linked to Leeds United right now is Sefuentes from LAFC, and we've talked about him quite a bit in past weeks about having, having himself a game and just doing an absolute great job in that team.
0: Uh, Kai Wagner comes from a system that's somewhat similar to what Marsh runs at Leeds, and he may be he fills a role that they need on that team. But I'm not sure how ready he is for that jump. Cifuentes, on the other hand, I don't expect him to be at LAFC after the end of the season. If Leeds can jump on him, they're probably getting a little gym.
2: But yeah, I could see Sefuentes leaving as, as soon as the tail end of this window for for the the teams abroad because Emekis is still open till the first of September. England's still open till first of September. It could very much be a an absolute coup to grab one or both for Leeds if they can get them. Um, but another su- substantial rumor out of LAFC is Brian Rodriguez, who's I don't know if he's on the outs, but he's been linked with a quote unquote substantial deal from Club America, and with Buanga coming in and and playing like he you know being as as important as he is to that team. I think LAFC would be more than happy to take a sizable fee for moving on from Brian Rodriguez and and not really miss much of a beat in their formation. Moving along, we've got another piece moving out of MLS potentially in Dewan Jones. Um not a name we've mentioned much before, but he was an integral part in that Revolution's team that won the shield last year and he could be he's rumored to be the latest to leave linked with potential deals to Anderlecht and also in Stuttgart. Um, And at this point, I have to wonder how much of this is revolution already going on a rebuild. Are they uh, was their window that short to win a cup and they just missed out on it, Um, seeing as how far they've fallen this year alone with the big names that they've moved out in, you know, in Matt Turner and Adam Buxa, just just to name the two big ones. Um, More movement across the pond, potentially there's allegedly a slew of clubs across all across Europe trying to kick the tires on making a deal for Cade Cowell. And it's really only a matter of time at this time, at this point before this 18 year old ab absolutely mind blowing. An 18 year old is that important to their club right now, but uh, it's only a matter of time before he makes that jump across the pond. And I just hope that when he does, he gets playing time and doesn't sit on the bench. Like most of the American talent that's actually jumped over there. Um, lastly, in MLS, this isn't really transfer news, but, you know, we always love talking about the downfall of the Death Star. Uh, I think it's important we talk about just how absolutely terrifyingly, terribly the the Seattle Sounders have been playing lately. It's an absolute implosion of a run here. They've lost seven of their last 10 games. And the last time this happened, they ended it by sacking absolute club legend in Siggy Schmid. And that was back in 2016. Uh, it's a, At this point, it's a very, very real possibility that they miss the playoffs altogether, and that'd be the first time since they joined MLS in 2009. Uh, I, for one, am just glad that this is, that I'm not the only one whose team is falling apart absolutely at the seams, you know, relative to level of success for the club. But uh, you have to ask yourself, is Brian Schmetzer on the hot seat despite winning CCL? Um. Also, it what is I have to ask, what's the deal with Seattle hiring guys whose last names start with SCHM with that schmuck sound? It's I, I, I just wanted to ask that.
0: It's been a smart plan in the past. <laughs> but really, no, he's not on the hot seat. They won CCL. And the hangover effect from CCL seems to be in effect. And they went a long stretch with uh Raul Rui Diaz but perhaps more importantly we've seen how really intrinsic to success that Paulo is since he was lost in that CCL final uh that injury has really and then Obed Vargas the young kid that came in to replace him he's gone as well and that's a hole they just haven't replaced
2: Oh so so what we're saying is that uh losing your very very most important players does not automatically put your coach on the hot seat. Got it. Take we've already we've already mentioned previously <laughs> about a, a team that has lost their most important pieces and their coach shouldn't be on the hot seat despite all their fans saying fire him.
1: Got I it. i was going to say that's a that's a feeling that you should be
0: familiar with. <laughs> oh yes, very no, much it,
2: so. But I'm not saying. I'm, <laughs> not saying I'm not saying.
0: I'm not saying that it's not a viable discussion. That's just answering the question.
2: Oh, that's fair. It's the same definitely... way I did
0: with Sporting KC. No, no, they shouldn't fire Vermees either.
2: Oh, I mean, if, if you if you don't fire Vermees for the season he's having, you cannot in any sort of good conscience even think about firing Schmetzer with, again, him winning arguably the most important trophy this on this hemisphere, on this continent. If you even on this think continent. about it. That's just ooh, ooh you're you're in the wrong mindset there pal.
0: Yeah, I would uh argue that the South American,
2: yeah,
1: Copa Sudamerica America, something like
0: that is probably but... bigger, but uh, CCL's getting better if nothing more than just MLS and Liam Ameki's trying to one up You're each right, other. for
2: this continent. It's most important on the continent, and that's that's saying something.
0: Mm. Uh before we wrap this up, I just got one quick comment. Uh in case you have noticed, all of a sudden scoring's just out of control in MLS. Uh during the uh secondary transfer window, teams and there was a, a majority of the league on the playoff bubble. And instead of shoring up defense, they just threw everything at the attack. You know, that's not the way usually you do this, but MLS is a little different. Uh, It's really working, and, you know, it's not the usual way of doing things. And there's probably a lot of people look at it and go, it's a joke of a league, but not necessarily. I would say if you have bought into MLS, this is what makes it so much fun. The quality is high, and it's a lot of fun. And to be quite frank, the Dutch league, the Arabiste, is always been high, high, high on offense and very little defense. Uh, the structure of MLS means that if you're going to change your team, you've only got limited funds to splash. Don't splash them on a defender, per se. You need help Throw them on an attacker. I mean... There are, there are
1: material, structural, and societal pressures for MLS to be attack-heavy and focus on high-scoring. Um, Garber Bucks, uh, just the simple way that Garber Bucks has shaken up the structure of teams uh, leaning heavy towards attack and also trying to appeal to a North American audience... That likes high scoring sports games, yeah no this is this is a, this is a league that is focused on offense. You want high scoring games uh, ev- I think that every person who is not already into soccer would prefer to watch a four four soccer game than a nil nil soccer game whether whether the nil nil soccer game is quote unquote played better.
2: I would tend to agree with that. We like the scoring here. We like big numbers, big crooked numbers up on that board and not not a round number or a nice line. We like the big multi-digit numbers, if possible.
0: You watch, you watch the broadcasts of uh, EPL on Peacock and NBC. The announcers, and they're British, are all rooting for goals. They want goals. Give us goals, goals, goals. They want goals. scoring. Do, they do, want do, good play. Goals.
2: Sorry, I had, I had to plug the chant.
0: All we really want is goals. goals. Uh, with that, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap up this show. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Turner. I am your long-suffering producer, Mason.
2: And I am your cave-dwelling hooligan, Sean.
0: And we are the Soccer Capital Podcast. If you're still listening... Thanks for listening. Bye for now. (laughs)